So this morning, I'm going to speak from first, uh, sorry, not first Timothy, second Timothy chapter one. We're going to get through most of a chapter of the Bible today. So your Bible reading for the day is going to be check. You got it. We're going to be good with it this week. But before we jump into the passage, so it's going to be second Timothy chapter one. I just wanted to just bring a little bit of context to the chapter of what we're looking at. Paul is second letter to Timothy and Timothy is Paul's guy. And I think it's helpful sometimes to look at what is the lens that we're looking at this piece of scripture through. Because sometimes it's God telling his people certain things in different ways. Sometimes it's it's letters of instruction. Sometimes it's letters of rebuke. Sometimes it's, it's the Psalms are songs to God. But the context of this is a mentor writing to his his student. And and Paul is going to refer to Timothy as his beloved child. I think it's helpful when we're looking at Scripture not to just look at it as just words on a page, but understanding what, what emotion was, re- what was written behind it, what the intent was behind it. And the intent here is a mentor bringing perspective. And that's what they do. Mentors help bring perspective. They help bring what's important into focus. And this morning, the hope that I would have, the, the, the way that I was encouraged by this passage of Scripture in my study, was being encouraged, was having perspective brought. And many of you might have had mentors throughout the years. Many of you still might have mentors. I so appreciate my mentors in my life even right now. Uh, although Bruce Billington has abandoned me to Madagascar, and so I'll just, I'm mentorless right now. Um, but no, so appreciate the mentors in my life and those that have been and that, that, that will be in the future. But this is a mentor talking to his student and helping Timothy bring some things into focus. And as I was thinking about that, a mentor's main goal is to help you realize everything that you could be in God. It's to maximize your potential. So when we're leaning into this scripture, I encourage you, lean in with an open heart. This is, this is the, the heart of a father talking to a, a son, the heart of a father talking to his daughter and, and saying, I want the best for you. I want to see you realize everything that you possibly can. And so even if you're, you're past the stage of having mentors and you are the mentor, we can, we can all be mentored by Paul. And so I just want you to lean into hearing what Paul has to say, because I think it's some really encouraging things. And I think... Not only does he say he's a beloved child, but he says, and we'll read it in a second, how he longs to see Timothy. So hear this morning's scripture through the heart of someone that desperately wants the best for you, who thinks that you're a beloved child. This man cares for Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1, 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. 
Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. My sermon title this morning is Entrusted to You. Have you ever, have you ever been entrusted with something really valuable? I remember a friend was telling me that he used to do the, um, the driving for... Um, the money trucks, you know, like, so he'd drive around and like the rules that they had, and they had, they had people follow them regularly, um, you know, different um, nefarious characters that were seeing any opportunity they could to, to, what's, you can shout it out, what's the most valuable thing that's been entrusted to you? Someone's baby, that's pretty valuable. I don't trust my babies. I barely trust myself with my babies. I remember one time my dad, and I probably told you this story before. Apologize if I have. My dad lent me his BMW to take Angie out on a date. And so I thought it was pretty cool. Um, well, th- yeah, I've got some other stories when I borrowed it, and, like, I wasn't cool. This guy that was very high on drugs came to uh, um, verbally assault me, and I didn't know if he was going to physically assault me. And this, the Beamer had, like, a, it was a, a, a uh, what do you call it? A hatchback thing that so the hood would come over, and like so he ran over to me, and and I pushed the button, but like the button was the slowest button ever. So like it was like, and he was like standing right here, and he he could have done whatever he wanted because it was quite low. And I just remember staring at him, and I remember him yelling at me at profanities, and this thing just so slowly like coming over. But I remember I borrowed it one night to, to take Angie on a date. And I don't know where we were going, um, but my dad had to get up quite early in the morning, so he'd fallen asleep. And I remember as I was driving quite far away from the house, we got a flat tire. And I don't know if you know, so this was a Z3 BMW. It was, it was really tricky to try and get the silly tire out. So I had to call him and wake him up and make him come out. And he didn't even know how to change it because it was a, quite a weird thing. And we had this guy that looked like the carrot top, the comedian that stopped, and he finally helped us. But it was quite valuable. This story brought to memory, I used to, I, I probably shared this one with you as well. When I worked for the insurance company, we dealt with a lot of pretty high, high, uh, interesting situations. And I remember one of the, an uncle had lent to his nephew, his Maserati. So do we know what a Maserati is? So this, this car in U.S. dollars was, was worth roughly around 100 grand. 100 grand U.S. dollars. That's a pretty valuable thing to entrust to, to a nephew. So the nephew, wanting to honor his, his, his uncle, decided to take the Maserati for a joyride in a, um, in a plane hangar area. And I think he, he decided to go to the next level and get a little bit inebriated um, as he was driving. And he ended up spinning out 
and totaling the car. And he crashed through one of the garages into the plane hangars. And he, he damaged, I think he, he totaled it, a World War II Japanese aircraft that was in one of these hangars. And so even when I left uh, the insurance company, it was, the claim was still open and still in litigation because some of the, um, it, it was almost saying that it was invaluable to be able to, there, there weren't parts to be able to replace for the Japanese World War II aircraft. And the Maserati was also written off. What has been entrusted to you? What has been entrusted to you? Paul is giving encouragement here on what Timothy has been entrusted with. Some instructions. We've all been entrusted with gifts from God. And Paul gives Timothy some insight on how to maximize what he's been entrusted with. So this morning, as, as, we, as we lean in, this, that's what I want us to lean into. From, remember, he's, he's a mentor. He so cares about Timothy. But he's giving him some instructions on how to maximize what he's been entrusted with. So let's lean in to, to listen to some of those things. So I've got three points that um, this scripture kind of contains. The first one is, is this. We've talked about it a lot before, but it's so important. is fanning into flame the gift of God. Verse 5 again just says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, the faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. There's nothing like being called back to who you are and where you come from. It's kind of like, I just picture Paul here, he's giving, he's giving Timothy a little bit of the like, what did your mama teach you? What, what, did, your, what did your grandma teach you? you know, she, don't be acting like that. He's calling him back to wh- who he is and where he came from, reminding him of his heritage, of his legacy. And this morning, if there, if there was any takeaway that you were to take this morning, can I encourage you to go back to where it started for you? Go back to where it started for you in faith. It is so easy to allow so many things to jump in and become the priority. There are, it's so easy. Life, life is so busy. With social media and just even, the, even if you watch the one o'clock news, there's so many things that are vying for your attention. There are so many things that are vying to, to absorb you in, 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 that takes time, that takes your resources, that takes your energy. And this morning, the encouragement that I had from this piece of scripture and that I want to pass on to you, impart to you, is going back to where it started for you. Why? What brought you into faith? What brought you into the arms of Jesus? It's so easy to say, I'm looking for, I'm looking for the new thing and God is doing a new thing. But it's not at the expense of losing what is most important and his name is Jesus. If anything is getting in the way and pushing you further away and you're finding you don't have peace, you don't have these things, can I encourage you? It's not going to be through your own efforts, but it's going to be going back to Jesus. It's going to be going back. I love that Paul here, a mentor, the loving father figure is saying, can I remind you of the faith of your grandmother and your mother? Can I remind you of what heritage you come from and what's important? 
It's too easy to get sidetracked in the journey and lose sight of that which is most important. Are you spending time on those things that are most important or have you got sidetracked somewhere along the way? I think we all need reminding from time to time to go back to what is most important, to be reminded of who we are and what we're here to do. So here's Paul's first instruction to Timothy with regards to what he can do. He says, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. He reminds him a little bit more of where he came from. He's he's still going back to, Timothy, you got this through the laying on of my hands. I've imparted to you a father figure, some things that you can take, that you can move forward with. The kingdom is about impartation, that what we receive from God, we pass on to others. And Paul is just reminding Timothy of the legacy of his foundation of what Paul himself has passed on to him. But he says this, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. Who spent some serious time lighting fires in their lives? New Zealand is one of those places where you spend a lot of time lighting fires. I think, Mark, you almost had a fire going on trunk or treat. You know, I was expecting, like, Mark, Mark had the, uh, the outdoor thing. I was expecting, you know, intense, intensity to come from there. We went last night to watch the fireworks, and they had fires all along Petone Beach. Smoke was getting right in my face. I've spent a lot of time lighting fires this past year. It's one of the winters where I've, I've lit the most. It takes work to light that fire sometimes. I mean, if, unless you get like, you get like four or five fire lighters in there and get some kerosene and just make that sucker blow up, you know. I mean, there's ways to get it going quickly. But most fires, I often found that I didn't have the right, right equipment or the right things at different times, and so I learned very quickly to make sure that I got the right things. But it takes work to fan into flame. And fanning into flame is this idea of getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You want this flame to grow. You, don't, you want this little thing that starts from a match to grow to an, a huge proportion of where it started. And Paul's instruction to him that he says as a mentor is, you need to be fanning into flame the gift of God that is inside of you. Grounded with the perspective of what truly is important, Paul instructs Timothy to actively focus on these gifts that God has given Timothy to grow. And I was just thinking, how do, how do you fan a flame into a, a gift that God's given you? And we've talked a lot about it, and I don't want to rehash all of it, but it starts by knowing your gifts. It's, it's knowing, knowing what God has gifted you to do. It's, it goes on further by learning as much as you can about them. And then I think the thing that I want to encourage this morning as well is, is just by using them. So fanning into flame is, is to actually put your gifts into action. But Paul then shares in the same sentence an indicator of what has stopped Timothy from using his gift, and it's fear. Fear of failure, fear of success, fear of rejection, fear of pain, fear of shame. Fear can lock so many of us from not fanning into flame that which God has given us. But I think the thing is, every single person here has been entrusted with gifts from God himself. And Paul is lovingly encouraging them to move past this thing called fear. And he says, God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and self-control. These three things, or even these four, if we want to include fear, I want you to just look at your own life right now and, and use these as a litmus test to say, is your time and your energy and your resources of what you're doing, 
Is it fear-based? Is there fear that is the motivator for some of those actions? Or maybe it's the demotivator where you're not doing it. And then I would, I would again, just take a step further. And, and you might say, what I'm doing is of God. God, I think I'm writing your will. I think there's some litmus tests to, to tell you if it's God's will. It says, I've not given you a spirit of fear. So if fear is in the midst, I'm going to encourage that there's, there's some God missing in that situation. But he does tell you what things that you can examine to see are these things in the midst to see if maybe you are anchored in God. The first is what is of power. I love that. We, we'll talk some more about the power of God. The next is love. I just, the thing that was weighing on my heart is that as we go about this journey of faith, it's so easy to get off track of what is most important, but I love these litmus tests of what a, a father figure is telling his child is, is what you're doing based from love. Is love the centerpiece of, of how you're moving forward? Is your relationships based out of fear or are they based out of a place of security and love? So what you're bringing to the table is not an insecure thing, but you're able to bring all of who God created you to be. Remember, we talked about the whole goal of Paul writing to Timothy is to see him maximize his walk through God, to see him maximize what God is doing in and through him. So hear, heed the words that he's saying, love and self-control. Is your mouth running wild or is there self-control? I, Bennett, my goodness, that little boy is pushing me to the edge with his sleeping patterns. We're going to swap him out for Levi. Self-control is the basis of where you're at, self-control. If fear is the driving force, there's an indicator that it's not from God. Second point, saved and called for a holy calling. In verse 8, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. What I feel Paul is doing here, he's talked about the gifts that are in Timothy, and he's saying, hey, make sure that you're, you're, you're engaging those gifts. Make sure that you're stirring them up. Make sure that you're not based from fear of how you're walking. Make sure it's based in love, self-control, and power. But he goes here, and I think he's talk, he, he starts to reveal the purpose of those gifts. And I want you to lean into this part because it's so easy to just, I don't know, for, for me it's easy to read scripture and you just kind of read it and you've done your daily thing, but to stop, to meditate on it day and night, to let it do what it can do as it sinks down into you, is to hear the purpose of these gifts. His gifts are always used with a purpose. Paul reminds Timothy of the purpose of what he's been called to, that God who saved us has called us to a holy calling. I was thinking about, how many of you have been like, called or chosen to do something? When you have, you kind of walk with authority because you've been like, somebody's called you to do this. You're like, cool. I've been, like even line leaders at school, you know, like those line, they're like, those kids like are going to walk up the front and be like, I'm in charge of the line today. You know, like there is, there is such an authority that comes when you've been called into doing something. But remember, the whole purpose of this morning, this passage is 
is reminding of us of what we're supposed to be using our authority for. Refocusing, getting a, re, a re-impartation of why and what is most important. This word, calling and holy calling, is the Greek word to call or summon. And it's, it's used of God inviting all people to receive his gift of salvation. So I just want to say this again. This, this is an encouragement to us to step into the holy calling that God has for you and for me. But I want to bring it into focus what this holy calling is, what, what the very words from Paul to Timothy are, is that this word calling, this holy calling that you've been called to, is to summon, to call, to invite all people to receive the gift of salvation in Jesus. It's very powerful when you, when you pause to read, and it's not just saying, man, am I using the gifts so that I just feel good at the end of the day? It's saying the holy calling that is on us, the holy calling that Timothy was called to and that you and I are called to in the New Testament church that we still get to be a part of today, is to invite, is to summon, is to call people into relationship and knowledge of Jesus Christ as their Savior. I was so encouraged when I read this because it's so easy to get distracted and get into the wrong zone and you have the wrong points of focus. But what is Paul reminding Timothy here? Timothy's in the process of trying to grow his church. He's saying, Timothy, stop focusing on the wrong things. Let me call you back to where your time, your energy, and your resources are supposed to be going to this holy calling. I love it where he says, this is not something anyone has earned by their works, but is by God's own purpose before the ages began. This purpose that is over our lives is not something that has just been created in the last couple of months and we think it's a great idea to be inspired by. This was written into the very fabric of who you were far before you were created. I think there's something that we have to spend time to say, God, am I spending time on the most important things with my time, my energy, my resources? As a mentor, as a loving father to his son, encouraging his son Timothy, he's saying, I'm reminding you of the holy calling that is over your life. And I think... I don't, I was just this morning, I was getting such a renewed burden as I was praying for folks that are far from Jesus. We have to spend time to allow the burden of those that do not know who he is to grow in our hearts. When we're talking about fanning into flame something, this is not fanning into flame my needs. This is not fanning into flame my preferences. This is fanning into flame the knowledge that people out there are not going to have eternal life with Jesus. We have to, I love what Paul is doing. He's calling Timothy back. He's saying, Timothy, come back to what you should be focused on. We are on mission. Timothy. And the mission, and I'll read out the scripture again. This has now been manifested, meaning it's now available for us, this mission, this holy calling in Jesus who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. These these are not empty words. This is saying there are people that are dead and there is life available to them. 
this gathering, this group of people called the church, not just in here in Lane Park Church, our mandate, our mission is singular. And it's to see people receive the life of Jesus. When we are on mission, we align ourselves to that mission so that all of my time, all of my energy, all of my resources are going towards that very thing. I love that. I love being reminded of what's really important. Paul, the bringer of perspective to Timothy, says, Stop being fearful, but through power, love, and self-control, step into this holy calling prepared for you since time began to invite, to draw, to summon, to call others into life through the gospel. And I don't know what becomes your motivators, because each of us are so wired differently. But can I encourage you to fight to make sure that the things that you are letting into your life become motivators to push you further into this holy calling? So if it's the one o'clock news, don't leave it downcast. Leave it excited because you see so much opportunity for the life of Jesus to impact others. One of the other things that I think that we want to grow in this place is a burden for prayer. Are, are you spending time in prayer asking God for the burden to reach, reach those people? How many people do you have on your list? I love the youth right now. They're going through, um, how, do we, how do we engage? How do we reach out? Some of them are saying, well, I don't know. I don't have any. And some of them are saying, I have a huge list, but I don't know how to engage. Can I encourage you that prayer has got to be one of the very first things? We should be praying for one another. We should be praying with such a burden for God's heart to infiltrate ours. I can't encourage you enough for the holy calling that he's called you and I too. What a powerful thing. Can you just, can you focus on what's important? We must pause to gain perspective to see if we are aligned to our holy calling. Have we let other things get in the way? We've been entrusted with, we've been entrusted with a holy calling. And so many things can get in the way that murky the waters. But Paul gives perspective to Timothy of reminding him of what they were here to do. I believe each of us are called to this holy calling. We need to spend our energy from a base of love, power, and self-control, discovering and moving with God on how he is calling us to work out this holy calling. If the end goal of whatever you're involved with is not to see people come into relationship with Jesus, it might be time to recalibrate. Now, each of us will have a different role in that. Each of us are going to have different parts of where we can sow into and where we can, we can put. But that is the goal. Jesus is the goal. He is the alpha and the omega, meaning he's the beginning and he's the end. And I love what Carrie shared about that this morning and during worship. Can I encourage you? The more hungry you get for Jesus, the more hungry you're going to get for his mission. And his mission is engaging people to find life in him. We have to be a people that start to be really hungry to see people engage with the power and the life of Jesus. That is the mission. That is the mandate. That is the thing that Paul is so lovingly encouraging Timothy Timothy, stop being afraid. Stop being worried about these other things. And you need to be focusing on the holy calling that he has called you to. The last point is guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Verse 13, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me. 
in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Probably the most valuable thing that's been entrusted to me has been my children, but luckily I've had Angie to help me take care of them, so she's far more trustworthy with them, and they have not died, and we're okay. But probably the most valuable thing that someone has entrusted to me has been Angie. I remember when I went to go ask Angie's mom, because her dad was living in another country, so I couldn't ask him, um, for Angie's hand in marriage. Well, I, I remember first when I asked her to date I asked Angie's mom's permission to, to date Angie. And, and her first response was, I don't think Angie would like you. And I'm like, okay, that's fair. I won her over, though. I won her over. But I remember going to, and, and Angie's, Angie's mom's name is, um, Angie's name is, is Angie, and Angie's mom's name is, is Angelica. But, so I call her Miss, Miss Angie. So I've got Angie and Miss Angie. It can get confusing. We're going to name our daughter Angie. No, we're not going to name her. <laughs> And we're still in the name competition, so if anyone has any good names, just, just subtly, you can anonymously send them through. Emma, I, I don't know, it's probably not even appropriate, so I can't. Emma really liked a name, and then we found the Hebrew definition of it, and we were saying, nope, that's probably not going to be a good name. So we'll, we'll research those names. But I remember asking Angie, uh, Angie's mom, if I could marry her, and I just... I remember the weight of what it was for, for Angie's mom and, and each family I know has different trials and tribulations, but knowing the journey that they had walked through and knowing how, how hard Miss Angie had fought to protect her kids and knowing, just knowing the gravity of what that was, it was no small thing when she said yes to me to be able to be entrusted with her daughter. The, the weight of that, I think, I, I really felt I felt the importance of that. But one of the reasons that I think Miss Angie, she said, go for it, Jesse. She, ch- she changed her tune. She saw that her daughter actually did think I was okay. But that's, that's the feeling that I just want to impress upon you right now with the deposit that has been entrusted to you, that the Holy Spirit himself who resides in you is something that you have been entrusted with. And what you do with that matters. That's the thing that's been given to you. That's the focal point. To me, we have to let the weight of that settle a little bit. It's, my goodness, I'm definitely the more sanctified version of me and Angie in our marriage. I have to put up with so much. I really don't. She knows I'm joking. How easy is it to get distracted in marriage by things that are so not important? Bennett, I'm telling you, kid's killing us right now. If anybody wants to look after him for the next year or two, let me know. My mom, I know. She's like, please don't give him away to a stranger, Jesse. Guard the good deposit that's been entrusted to you. And the thing that, that resonated in my spirit as a church, can we recenter ourselves as Paul is encouraging Timothy to do on this holy calling, 
on this deposit that has been entrusted to you? What are you spending your time with? What are you spending your energy with? Is it in encouragement? Is it in making a way so that others can find, to call, to summon people into relationship, to find life in Jesus? It's this recentering process. It's too easy to forget the value of what God has put in you. Are you using it wisely? Are you, or are you spending time off mission in your Maserati? Paul brings this last opening direction to Timothy to guard the good deposit entrusted to him. We have to protect what has been entrusted to us. We have an enemy that wants to steal, he wants to kill, and he wants to destroy. He wants to get in in any way that he can to prevent this thing from people that are far from God from meeting him. Can I tell you that Jesus Christ is life? He is life abundant. He is life eternal. And those that do not know him do not know life. That understanding, again, has to bubble away. And we have to understand that there is an enemy that doesn't want that to happen. And he will stop it in any way possible that he can. When Paul is saying to fan into flame the gift of God, he's saying this isn't just a fun exercise to get yourself worked up. He's saying there are people that are dying and there are people that need to find life. He chooses to use us to engage in that process, to engage in this holy calling. Can I encourage you this week's church to go out with fire in your belly and fanning that flame, walking out not in fear, but in power, love, and self-control, stepping into the holy calling that he has called you to. Because that's what it's about. That's what the loving mentor is calling his son back into alignment with. What are we here for? We need to guard what God has entrusted us with. We can't allow things like fear to creep in to rob us of God working through us. We have to be so wise of what things are taking us off mission. What things are distracting us from what we're supposed to be doing. Paul is telling Timothy, stop being fearful. Remember why you're here. Move forward boldly with the mission of calling all men unto Jesus while protecting yourself from that mission from being attacked. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, I love you. I thank you for who you are. Father, I thank you that you have empowered men like Paul to encourage us even today. Lord, I thank you for Timothy as well, for boldly going about the mission of of calling all men unto you. But Lord, I just pray for an impartation of wisdom to know how we can each maximize ourselves on the journey of towards having people encounter life with you. Father, I declare in this space that this will be a space where people come into the knowledge of who you are. Lord, for each chair that is out, that is empty, and for each chair that is packed away, Lord, can we have vision to see people come into contact, not so that there's more people, but there's more people walking in life, Jesus. Lord, I just pray that there would be a stirring within us, Father God, stirring to have a burden and compassion for those that do not know you. Lord, I just pray that you would take the focus off of us, even as we're talking about worship. And Lord, even in our lives, and our our very lives are an act of worship, Father, but that we could position our lives, Lord, so that our entire focus and being is to see people come into life. 
Lord, we wouldn't walk by someone dying on the street, Jesus, but give us eyes to see that there are people that are dying on the street that we're walking by. Lord, help us do everything we can to position ourselves to step back into this holy calling that you've called us to. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen.